0: A podcast specifically for the members of the Gathering Church in Peterborough. My name is Ben, and if you listen for a second, yes, that's the sound of my own voice reverberating off the walls. I am alone today. Uh, My fearless co hosts, uh, Rylan and Alex, are otherwise engaged, so it is up to me this uh, afternoon, poor listeners. So I hope uh, you'll bear with me as we talk a little bit about um, theology and its importance or whether it's important. Um, It's something I think we need to think about as evangelicals today. Um, I don't know whether anyone out there has watched that show, uh, Yukon Gold. Um, Basically, a a bunch of people go out during the summers and try to make it rich, for gold using elaborate equipment, and there's it, it's actually quite a process. You got to dig in certain spots and then run water over it and have special filters uh, to collect these little tiny bits of gold. Well, I was thinking about that, and, and what would we think of someone who was just kind of strolling over half haphazardly ha- gold rich Yukon soil, uh, and because there were no sparkly chunks lying right near the surface uh who just concludes that well there's no gold to be had here what would we think of of a person like that would we feel bad for their resulting poverty well no of course we wouldn't uh, because to find the goal to find the riches that are there you have to apply yourself you have to get the equipment you have to know where to dig and then you have to to set about the process of digging um, and we might laugh at that illustration, but I think many of us do a similar thing. Uh, many Christians, uh, I get the impression they they are bored by God. Um, you know, their eyes light up when they talk about specific interests or hobbies. But on the subject of theology, it's like our eyes kind of glaze over, uh, yawn. Is it any wonder, uh, therefore, when we find it difficult? to pray, or when we're unmotivated to serve Him. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about uh, why it seems like this. there's this general aversion to theology, to to learning and, and knowing and growing in our knowledge about God. Um, and today, though I don't have a physical co-host, I am going to be drawing from uh, a great teacher who recently passed away, R.C. Sproul. He's written a book. Uh, it's it's about 20 years old at this point. It's called Essential Truths of the Christian Faith. It's a great book. Um, there is even talk of our church doing a study of it come uh, June. So stay tuned for that. We'll confirm. Um, but in the preface, he gives 10 reasons Um of why the modern church struggles uh, when it comes to theology, why we have this general aversion to it. And I found them very helpful, very accurate. Uh, and rather than inflicting all of the listeners, all three of you out there, with my voice, I thought um, I'd I just summarize his observations. And, uh, and I hope they'll be insightful uh, to you as they were to me. So the first cause, I'm not going to do all 10 of them. I think that would take us beyond our 30 minutes. Um, but the first cause that I thought was helpful, he distinguishes the childlike faith error. And uh, he distinguishes between childlike faith and childish faith. Um, one of those we want one of those we want to avoid, childlike faith, as it concerns the Christian, um, is not defiant. It, it, it is it, it instinctively trusts the wisdom of, of a heavenly Father, as a child instinctively trusts the uh, advice and wisdom of his father. That's that's the kind of faith that we want to exercise, and the kind of faith that Jesus that Jesus says it makes up the inhabitants of the kingdom of God. But childish faith, uh, well, it never moves on from the most basic principles. Um, and it almost, at times, uh, seems like there's kind of a weird arrogance where, well, you know, you guys and your theology and your learning and your books, well, it's, it's just me and Jesus over here. Um, not, that sounds really pious, but it just, it doesn't stand up. Uh, to the trials of life, uh, when you have just the very basic truths that that was Paul's rebuke to the the Hebrew believers that he had all this stuff to teach them, but they they couldn't understand it because they were um, subsisting on 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 milk, when they should have been eating red meat, as it were. And sadly, I've, I've talked to Christians and I know of Christians who've been in church, many years of their life, and, and you try to talk to them about God and about uh, various important things, uh, and there's just, they haven't even thought about it. There's no real comprehension there. Um, so we need to distinguish between childlike faith, uh, which we need to have, and childish faith. Uh, the gospel calls us to maturity in Christ. Uh, it knows nothing of a, of a static Immobile faith that just kind of rests and sits, and and uh, we would we would think a child uh, very sick, obviously, if he never uh, grew beyond three or four feet. There's something wrong there. Uh, and why do we assume the opposite is true for Christians who uh, are in Christian environments and yet don't seem to be growing? So that's that's the first cause he gives is the childlike faith error. The next. Uh, reason for kind of uh, our general fear of theology, Sproul says, is our fear of, of theological skepticism. And um, well, we thank God for uh, the solid Bible-believing seminaries around us, shout out now to Toronto Baptist Seminary, um, they're not all like that. Some young Christians, perhaps we know of some, go away to seminary And throughout their degree are exposed to a variety of theologies, maybe some of it Orthodox, maybe uh, other parts more of a liberal bent, and and then they come back after their four years and suddenly they don't believe in the resurrection of Christ or the authority of Scripture. And so some people conclude that learning is the problem, you know, theology is the problem. But theology isn't the problem in that scenario. The problem is unbelieving professors who are trying to disguise their unbelief in plausible language. That's the problem. Sproul says, uh, here's a quote, to reject all theology and theological education in order to avoid bad theology is to commit spiritual suicide. It is the exercise of another kind of treason. To reject theology is to reject the knowledge of God, and this is not an option for the Christian. And as soon as as soon as you go beyond, um, you know, it's just me and Jesus over here. Well, well, who is Jesus, right? Uh, what does it mean to believe in him? How, how do we how do we define who Jesus is? Is it just something we come up with? Uh, as soon as you get into that area, you're you're getting into the realm of of theology. We just We can't avoid it. You're going to have good theology or you're going to have bad theology, as Alex has said before. So that's the third reason. Um, Number four, he uh, says, neo-monasticism. I have to be be careful how I pronounce that. Uh, My wife often laughs. I think it's monasticism. Um, This is kind of the phenomenon where Christians kind of retreat into their churches. Uh, They don't interact with the world. Uh, There's often kind of a fear and we need to um, just hide out here till the bombs have dropped and we can go out again. Um, Well, when we're that insulated um, and our views are never challenged and we're never forced to kind of figure out um, why we believe what we believe, We can often assume we're growing where there actually is no growth. Um, The only way our growth and our faith is proved is when we, like the Bereans, we search the scriptures to see if these things are true. Um, An an untested faith, I I think there's some kind of quote, an untested faith is no faith at all. Um, Here's another quote from Sproul. neo-monasticism. It involves a rejection of the world as the primary arena of Christian activity. It restricts the Christian's activity to kind of a spiritual ghetto. It includes a willful rejection of the study of anything that is not clearly evangelical. And then we have the phenomenon where apologetics um, are kind of farmed out to celebrity apologists and authors. And the average Christian simply just has never been forced to search out these things for themselves. Um, uh, Sproul uses the example of during uh, his time in in university, um, he was listening to a professor talk about Augustine, I believe, and just the way he was describing it and the thoughts he was expounding really challenged Sproul's mind, and he switched his degree to a degree in philosophy from Bible. And and all of all of his friends um, kind of turned on him and said, "You know what are you doing? Uh, that's evil. That's demonic. Uh, why why are you exposing yourself to such things?" And in Sproul's mind, you know, he he wanted to be sure of what he believed, and and to be able to be to be able to effectively respond to those who believed something uh, differently than he did. Um, and so there was this kind of, you know, the, the best way we can engage with a culture is to retreat from the culture. Um, and and that's not always true. Um, so number four, something we need to guard against is, is the neo-monasticism or kind of the retreating. Um, number five, he says the fear of controversies. And this is a big one. Many Christians assume that the presence of conflict automatically equals uh, divisiveness and disunity. Uh, and because discussions of a theological nature are often heated, uh, many Christians kind of assume that well we just need to avoid that right let's just let's just keep the peace, let's just have this kind of superficial unity where we agree on a few little things. Um, just as long as there's no conflict, right? That's kind of the measure of validity for a lot of people. Is it? Is it kind of nice and warm and quiet and we all just agree and get along? Um, now, granted, there have been a lot of uh, mean-spirited and unfruitful conflict out there uh, regarding theology. Uh, many have died on hills that perhaps shouldn't have been died on. Um, so, It's not entirely surprising that that kind of thinking exists, this kind of anti-conflict thinking, but we have to look no further than the ministry of Jesus to realize that to be faithful in this world is to expect conflict. There's going to be conflict. Jesus told us we are going to have trouble in this world and not to be afraid because he has overcome the world. So Jesus' ministry was was full of conflict. Uh, the church in Acts again full of conflict, full of persecution, as were many periods in church history. Um, so the presence of peace doesn't necessarily mean things are peaceful. And the presence of sorry, there's a lot of p words here. My microphone doesn't like that. And the presence of of um, of conflict doesn't necessarily mean that divisiveness is taking place, and and Sproul states that, you know, because there are such grave implications to theology, you know, no wonder people are emotionally involved in the discussions of it, and different people um, articulate their views in different ways, and and we shouldn't necessarily write off people who. You know, they're passionate. They're emotionally involved in it. And and let's not just write them off as divisive. Number six. I think I've missed one or two, but just bear with me. Number six, Sproul says, is kind of the anti-rational spirit of the age. Uh, we, are a, we exist in a very existentially driven uh, culture more concerned about how we feel than about what we think or how we have reached certain conclusions. Um, In our culture, what you feel, what you think, uh, your own kind of constructed identity, these things have more authority than any kind of logical consistency. Um, But Sproul makes a, a really good statement here. He says, there can be nothing in the heart that is not first in the mind. Though it is possible to have theology in the head without its piercing the soul, it cannot pierce the soul without first being grasped by the mind. Um, a robust use of our minds, our God-given minds, our ability to think is not opposed to our affections. Uh, we Again, I think I said it at the beginning, but we just can't love what we don't no, it would be inconceivable to think of a, any kind of functional marriage where, where real love exists when we don't ever ask questions of the other person, right? Or, or, or even a friendship or, or any kind of relationship. There, there really can't be any degree of intimacy where there first uh, hasn't been an exchange of knowledge. And, and that really applies to our relationship with God as well. If we're not learning and growing in our knowledge of God, we really can't expect to love Him. And so that's a wrong dichotomy we've put up between, oh, you know, well you know a lot, but you know your affections and your love has probably suffered. We just love Jesus over here. You can't you can't separate the two, and they're never separated in Scripture. Um, so this is kind of a, another reason I think for um, this anti-theology in our age. This anti-rational spirit, where the priority of the feelings um, they take precedent. So, uh, number seven: the seduction of worldliness. Um, again, this is huge. Uh, quite simply, many of us are captured and more interested in all that glitters. Um, it's 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 easier. Um, there's predictable results feel uh, you know we feel immediately that pleasure that comes with um you know just doing what we feel like we want to do um you know it's it's like that person walking across that Yukon yukon soil and and just picking up chunks of what looks like shiny rocks and kind of assuming that that's valuable but it's all just fool's fool's gold or quartz or something that's sparkly but not really valuable at all and and a lot of what the world promises to give us um identity and purpose and joy and and happiness and, and all of these things there's that immediate rush there there's that immediate hit um you know but it doesn't last it's not sustainable uh, and we're, when we're investing in all of these things, it's like if you only eat junk food, you only eat cake or pastries. Uh, and I think I'll mention this in our first episode. Uh, you will lose the taste for for healthy food. Um, but if you you discipline yourself to eat, um, you know, salad or vegetables or different things, you can grow a taste for them i think this is true in almost every case except kale i have tried uh to like kale to me it's like chewing on a a sponge i mean maybe if you boil it more that would help um you know I, i don't think i could ever acquire a taste for kale but you know hats off to those who can um but back to our point uh, you, will, you will grow to appreciate the taste of what you invest your time and energy into. Um, the real, sustaining, nourishing spiritual food is to be found in knowing God and growing in our knowledge of Him and pursuing Him. God told the Israelites, uh, you, know, you don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Um, you know, we eat Breakfast, we eat lunch, and then a few hours later, we're hungry again. Um, and you know that—that's the nature of physical food. That's the nature of uh, physical entertainment and that immediate pleasure. It doesn't last. Um, we need to be feeding and growing in our knowledge of God. Number eight, um, Sproul gives us the title. Pietistic substitution of devotion for study. So here's the theologian in sprawl coming out. He's actually very approachable um, and not kind of esoteric at all, but pietistic substitution. So what he's um, kind of cautioning against here is, is the kind of 15 minutes in the morning reading and, uh, you know, the Bible or devotional book. And, and obviously that's better than nothing. And, you know, for busy moms or busy people, sometimes you know, 15 minutes, half an hour is all we can afford in a day, and 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 God blesses that, and the Spirit can bless that. The problem is when when we feel you know that's that's kind of the extent of of how we need to approach the Word, this kind of minimal, cursory, kind of uh, glazing over um, a, a a chapter or a few verses, and not. Um, not always thinking about it as deeply as we should, uh, maybe not even really understanding what we're reading and kind of applying it to ourselves wrongly. Um, Sproul here says, The problem emerges when we think we can plumb the depths of Scripture by a simple regimen of 15 to 30 minutes a day. Few disciplines can be mastered by such brief attention. To grow into a mature understanding of God's Word requires a more con- concerted effort than can be gained by short periods of devotional reading and i think that's a good a good point for us um we'd even examine our lives and how many hours i i confess uh myself how many hours we give to other things either in research or just occupying our time and uh you know we can only afford to give god you know 15 15 minutes to half an hour uh a day and uh you know, we talked in a previous podcast about this kind of pseudo-busyness where our lives are kind of filled with with things and they're, you know, filled with activities. Uh, not all are necessary. We don't always give priority to the ones that should have priority. Um, so I think this is a good thing for us to keep in mind, this kind of um, assuming that our devotions are our own little you know, fifteen minute minute period in the in the morning. Just just to piggyback on this, Lewis gives a great quote. Uh, I don't know if I can find it. I I'm going to butcher it. He he says something along the lines of, "Sometimes it's difficult to to kind of um, get our hearts worked up in worship uh, while reading devotional books." Um, and then he 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 goes on to say. Uh, These same people will find their hearts sing unbidden when working through a tough bit of theology with a pipe in your teeth and a pencil in your hands, and and you don't necessarily have to have a pipe in your teeth, though that does help, actually. Um, But this idea of, you know, hard work and and kind of this devotional worship, we shouldn't separate these things. We shouldn't make wrong dichotomies um, because, you know, these things really should be put together. Um, so number eight, um, this kind of pietistic substitution of devotion instead of study—they uh, should be combined if at all possible. And number nine, um, in in typical in typical kind of Sprolean forthrightness, he just says sloth, and uh, you know we can dress it up in a lot of ways and make excuses, but at the end of the day, uh, I think. Um, part of our reason for not applying ourselves to some of these things is just that we're lazy Um, and Sproul says lazy Christians will remain immature because they fail to apply themselves to a diligent study of of God's word and and we just kind of the things that are easiest we're drawn to uh, but just as a pattern of life the most difficult things and challenges that That God's brought us through have often been the most fruitful thing. So why should we think it's any different? uh, As we seek to cultivate a life of of worship and joy in Christ and in God, and and uh, you know we just assume these things kind of float down to us easily without effort. And and part of what the Spirit does in in transforming us is it gives us an appetite for God's Word. And we need to we need to feed and sustain that appetite lest we become these kind of malnourished, anemic Christians. Uh, we just can't expect to reap what we haven't sown. It's just, um, it's foolish to expect that. So so kind of to conclude, uh, is, is God boring? Well, absolutely not. Uh, Paul in, in Romans just kind of bursts into this doxology. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments, how untraceable his ways. And in Ephesians 3, he, he says, To me, this grace was given to preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. That is the true nature of God. Um, you know, unsearchable riches, you know. Th- this is a mind that is inexhaustible. We can go day by day, moment by moment, deeper and deeper into God's Word, pulling out new treasures, uh, new truths to sustain us, uh, new intricacies of, of God's character. And that is an infinitely engaging and satisfying pursuit. Um, we love God so little, to summarize, simply because we know God so little, Um we apply ourselves to know him so infrequently. We let other things come in and and push us out, push this important pursuit out. And we live these impoverished Christian lives because we don't spend any time um, digging. And we wrongly conclude, like that person just wandering on that Yukon soil, that there's nothing there because we can't see it. It's not immediately uh, convenient. Um and, and I'm right there with you. This is not a, a kind of a condemnation. I've struggled with all of these things. And I know the struggle um, when life gets busy. Um, but it's so important. And um, again, we're hoping to do uh, a study into theology uh, in June. We're not exactly sure what book. Uh, we haven't landed on something specifically yet. Uh, it's possible this book will will be at Sproul's Essential Truths of the Christian Faith. But even if it isn't, I, I encourage you to go out and purchase a coffee. Uh, sorry, a coffee. Well, purchase a coffee as well. Um, but purchase a copy of Essential Truths of the Christian Faith. You'll be richly rewarded. Whether you're a new Christian, whether you're an older Christian, uh, there's a lot of um, rich food in here. Uh, you, you won't get any kind of boiled cabbage soup, with sprawl it's it's red meat and potatoes and gravy and um you know i don't know whatever you like to eat that's hearty that's what comes to mind for me so we managed to fill most of a half hour i hope um at least some of you are still with me uh thanks for listening um for all those who haven't heard our church is actually moving um We are moving from our our place at Murray Street Baptist to 780 Argyle Street uh, in Peterborough, Ontario. So if you're in the area or stopping by, obviously our church members, uh, we're going to be starting our service at 10:30. We're actually going to have a coffee hour, well, a coffee half hour. That's going to be fantastic. Again, we'll have the glorious light of day once again and and uh and the alertness that morning brings and we look forward to that we're thankful for god's faithful to us faithfulness to us thus far um yeah so thanks for listening hopefully um the infinitely uh more fluent and fearless uh pastors will be with us next week um but i hope you enjoyed uh this half hour have a good week